someone to be around you. Someone to sit down and pour you short chew. But sometimes saying goodbye to familiar folks is the only way. Sometimes that's when you finally find your space. Welcome to the Japan Distilled Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in today. I'm your host, Christopher Pellegrini, recording in my booze pantry in Tokyo, Japan. And as always, chiming in from Fukuoka, Japan, which is about two hours south of here by plane, is my shochu brother from another mother and co-host, Stephen Lyman. We're both certified shochu and awamori professionals, published authors, and we often vehemently disagree about the best way to enjoy shochu. And that's not an overstatement. We've been exploring the wonderful world of the Japanese spirits, culture, and industry for a combined three decades or longer even, and are excited to share them with you through this podcast. Stephen, how are you doing? Christopher, I'm doing well, as always. This has been, I think, an overdue episode. I know we touch on how to enjoy shochu and awamori in earlier episodes, but really rolling up our sleeves and, and explaining these styles in detail, I think, is really important. Absolutely. Yeah. And that is the focus today, talking about how to enjoy shochu and awamori. And we're going to focus on how to enjoy them with cold as the theme, reduced temperature. Obviously, that brings to mind beautiful cubes of ice or balls of ice even. But it's the way that a lot of people first get into shochu, I think. It's, the, it's often the lowest common de- denominator for spirits anyway. And Let's let's make sure that we hit all the major ones before we finish this episode. Yeah, this may seem like an odd topic to the uninitiated, but the truth is that 20 to 45% alcohol, shochu can be a bit of an oddball when it comes to spirits and trying to decide how to enjoy it. Absolutely. Right. It's almost as a at a wine strength sometimes and or you know, a sake strength. And then with some dilution, you definitely get into that range. Uh, so why would you dilute a spirit further? Yeah. That's a, that's a very common comment or question. Absolutely. And we will definitely address that in a moment. But before we dive in, if you have been enjoying the podcast, and please tell other like-minded individuals, drink fans around the world, about the Japan Distilled podcast. Ratings and reviews, of course, are very helpful and very much appreciated because it's going to naturally help other people find the show. So if you have a moment, we would much appreciate it. Absolutely. And I really enjoy getting messages from listeners. I received a really informative one, actually, after our recent Kokuto Shochu episode from, I apologize, I don't know if his name is pronounced Jan or Jan, Hodel or Hodel (laughs) in, uh, I believe, the UK. Uh, He was talking about why you would add koji starter fermentation to Kokuto Shochu. And besides the flavor aspects, he explained how a sugar fermentation alone can end up in a an unclean fermentation due to nutrient deficiency, especially nitrogen. And that was something I hadn't really thought about before because I'm not a professional distiller. I've only worked in shochu distilleries. Mm-hmm. Um, but the koji apparently provides enough protease to the fermentation that the yeast has enough nitrogen for cell growth, and that allows the yeast to remain robust in a koji-based kokuto shochu ferment. So something that I didn't really understand. And I really appreciate his his feedback on that because I learned something new. And nothing like a clean fermentation, I think. Whatever you choose to take that as, we're always going for clean 
Now, given the fact that a lot of shochu fermentations are actually open to the elements, you would be forgiven for assessing that, well, this is probably slightly wild, but you know, that's the magic of koji, especially white and black koji that can protect through acidity everything that's happening in that pot. Things that we've discussed at least briefly in previous episodes of the Japan Distilled Podcast and things that we'll dive much more deeply into as we get further and further down this rabbit hole in the future. But today, let's, of course, focus on how to enjoy these amazing drinks. And, you know, if I think back to when I was first introduced to shochu, and it really was a situation where I didn't expect to be drinking shochu, it really was a surprise. And that was 100% served cold. It was on the rocks, if I remember correctly, which of course is not the ideal way to taste something, at least not on a professional level or on a nerdy level, the way that we often try something new. But even with the, the ice, of course, there was plenty of aroma on these drinks. And I'm pretty sure that my first shochu, I think I mentioned this before, was a barley shochu. And it was almost certainly an oita, 100% barley shochu. And even with the ice, there was some light floral and fruit notes coming off of it. Of course, the toast from or the breadiness of the barley was still very apparent even with the ice. So it worked. Um, how about you? What was, what was your first time trying shochu? It was almost exactly the same, except that I knew that I was going to be drinking shochu. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know when I walked into that izakaya in New York, but when we sat down at the table and the waitress handed us the menu and explained that they were discounting bottles of shochu because it was a Tuesday, which is where shochuzday <laughs> originated in, in, in our collective thinking. Uh, the recommended service style was on the rocks. And so we ordered a bottle of Ichigo. So again, 100% barley shochu from Oita. They brought a bucket of ice along with the, the bottle and we just enjoyed it on the rocks. And that was what I thought you did with shochu. It was only later that I realized there's all these other ways that you can enjoy it. Yeah, there, it's pretty diverse in terms of the approach or the, the different mechanisms for enjoying shochu and awamori, of course. But let's talk about rocks. First and foremost, we both started from there in our shochu journeys. And that tends to be the way that it's offered to people that are new to the category. So, Stephen, tell me about ice in Japan. Well, ice in Japan is beautiful. <laughs> I mean, you go into a convenience store and for, what, 100, 200 yen, you can get about a kilogram of ice, uh, maybe sometimes two, and it is clear. And there are so many Instagram accounts and YouTube videos explaining how to make clear ice at home. Yeah, there are. But in Japan, you can just go to a convenience store and get like crystal clear ice uh, for almost nothing. Yeah. It's, uh, we're pretty spoiled. And that's what I do. Mm, yeah, I, I do as well. I do make ice for, for other drinks, but then when I'm going to be enjoying some nice uh, spirits, I'll, I'll often use the convenience store ice that I keep in my freezer. Yeah, I complained about homemade ice recently and maybe it was on our show tuesday live stream but the ice maker in my refrigerator just adds a nasty je ne sais quoi to the to the ice it really it stinks um 
And maybe only I'm sensitive to it, but I smell it from a mile away. So I refuse to put it in any good drinks. Oh yeah, that's that's no good. So I'm I'm mostly just using the kombini ice, which is you know the kombini. I go out the front door. It's 119 paces from the front of my building. I've <laughs> I've clocked it several times, and uh, it's just so convenient. You get a big old bag, leave it in the freezer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that would basically very easily introduce our first style, which we've already mentioned, which is on the rocks, uh, which in my experience is a very common style, uh, both here in Japan and when people are drinking shochu in Japanese bars and restaurants overseas. It's probably predominant, at least overseas. Yeah, absolutely. And if you end up traveling in Japan, another style that you're going to run into, it is quite common, is what is called Mizuari, M-I-Z-U-W-A-R-I, Mizuari, Mizuari. And that is a style where you're actually diluting a rocks glass, often 50-50, with mineral water. And it's obviously going to drop the ABV of the drink. If you dilute it 50-50, then you're talking 12.5% alcohol, which would be wine territory, I suppose is a good way to think of it. Mm-hmm. And it's going to become much lighter, softer, easier to pair with food. Also, more crushable, as some people like to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to become one of those things that you can session. You'll be able to drink a whole bunch of them and you're consuming a ton of water at the same time. So it's a very popular style in Japan. It is. And I, I do think probably within Japan domestically, that's more common than rocks. And it's because people are sessioning and enjoying it with food. It probably is. And the other thing is in restaurants in Japan, you're not getting a glass of water on the side unless you explicitly ask for it. It's true. And then, and then they're often bringing like the smallest glass in the shop yeah. as your water glass. <laughs> they bring you a shot of water. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sometimes that's actually happened to me. And I'll eventually, you know, after I've had them refill it a couple of times, I'll say, can you just bring like a big beer tumbler? Yeah. With water and the staff ends up being relieved because they realize, ah, okay. Yeah. That's just, uh, just, yeah, I don't just have to work as hard. One of those empty bo- wine bottles, fill that with water and bring it over here, please. Yep. And my regular place next door does that. They use an old, I'm not sure what type of, it's a really nice glass bottle that they keep around expressly for when I come in and need water nice. every other minute. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But I guess with, with the Mizuwari style, you are essentially hydrating as you're drinking. Whereas if you're drinking on the rocks, you probably want that water chaser to, to keep sure. yourself hydrated. Yeah. I think that's, that's wise. How, how would you build a Mizuwari? Just so every, everybody knows. Yeah. I mean, I'm not too precious about it. I would typically uh, fill up the glass with ice. Sure. Or maybe not maybe not full, depending on, on uh, what I'm doing, but uh, fill it up with ice, then basically pour in half shochu and then top it off with water. And then I, then you always get a stir stick with the, mm-hmm. with the mizu, Mizuwari set is what you would ask for when you go to an izakaya and they would bring you cold water, ice, and the stick along with your bottle and your glassware. And that is a really, and you just stir it a few times and, and you've got a nice drink. Is that usually how you would do it as well, Chris, where you go? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't commonly drink Mizuwari if I'm perfectly honest, but that is exactly how I would do it. And I'm almost always, in terms of the ratio, going to go 50-50 mm-hmm. or one-to-one in terms of the amount of, of water to shochu 
or awamori. Awamori is commonly consumed mizuari. It is, isn't it? And yeah. And if it if you're talking about a higher proof, then you might go a little bit heavier, three to two in favor of the water. Mm-hmm. Or maybe with a summer shochu, you might go a little heavier on the shochu. If it's a 20% ABV drink in the in a blue bottle, then maybe you go three to two in favor of the shochu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't actually drink Mizuwari that often either. I think it's predominantly in social settings when mm-hmm. we've got the bottle on the table with the Mizuwari set and everyone else is drinking that way. I don't want to be pouring through rocks glasses of shochu, uh, you know, drinking most That'll of the sneak bottle. up on you. Yeah. Oh yeah, it absolutely will. And and you're right, there's so much dilution to it. And it is it is 12.5%, but then once that ice starts to melt, you're getting yeah. down to 10 Nine, even eight percent, if you let it let the glass sit for a while. So you're almost getting down to a stronger beer proof, um, and that that is something that's completely sessionable. Yeah. Well, speaking of sessionable drinks, what else do we have? What other styles? Yeah. So the other would just be with soda. This is a relatively recent phenomenon in Japan, True. and I don't know if it existed and disappeared, like just fell out of favor, if it just nobody ever thought of it before. But it was probably five or six years ago that Tekkan at Yamato Zakura introduced me to his uh, Beni Imo purple sweet potato shochu with soda, and it tasted like grape soda. It was mm. wild. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of got me hooked. And I love how the effervescence of the soda, of the sparkling water, really brings out the fruit and the bright notes of so many different kinds of shochu. Yeah. So I'm much more likely to drink. Uh, shochu soda wadi when I'm at an izakaya or out with friends. I'll, I'll, I'll ask for that bottle of soda rather than water just to get that brightness. But not, not all shochus shine that way. There are definitely shochu. And I found especially with awamori, I'm much more likely to drink it mizuwari than soda wadi. Mm-hmm. There's only a few, yeah, few types of awamori that I think go well with soda. Yeah. So I would, when I drink, uh, a, basically what is essentially a too high. I will build it in much the same way that I would make a mizuwari. And that is to pour the shochu first over rocks, then add the bubbles. I often go a little heavier on sparkling water or seltzer, whatever you're using, than I would with water. I don't know why that is. But in my experience, if you go two parts shochu to three parts uh, seltzer, Mm -hmm. it tends to balance better. I don't know what, why is that? I'm not really sure. It, it seems like when I go 50-50 soda to shochu, it tends to get a little wobbly, mm. the balance of the flavors. That's just my experience. I don't know if other people experience that as well. I think you're probably right. For me, if I go 50-50 with soda, the bubbles disappear really, really quickly. That's true too. I don't get that effervescence. So I am often at a, at a two parts to three or even a one to two ratio. Uh, shochu to to uh to soda and honestly i'm pretty new to the whole serving your shochu with bubbles i only came around to that very recently but i do like it when we're talking the summer months when it's hot and you need something refreshing and i think it also goes well with some of the newer sweet potato shochu uh expressions that have come out recently and i think we'll get to that in a moment but before we do that let's talk about one final cold serve, which is the chill the bottle or even freeze the bottle. And this can work especially well 
with hanatare. It's almost the only way to drink hanatare, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, unless you're trying to treat a mouth wound or something. I'm not really <laughs> sure. You're trying to disinfect. Yeah, I think you do need it to be cold. You need it to be viscous. Mm-hmm. Hanatare. Yeah, hanatare. It's it's it basically has a lot of acetone notes when when warm and and the cold yeah. suppresses uh, everything really as far as flavor and aroma in any of these service yeah. styles. And so with a yeah. hanatare, it becomes palatable, right? It reaches a point where it's not offensive. <laughs> yeah, when served for so. I think that's a I think that's a good way to put it. And I one way that I have one of the most amazing ways that I have enjoyed hanatare was frozen, or the bottle was frozen. Of course, the hanatare itself, the shochu itself, is not frozen. It's just super cold, and then you pour that over oysters on a half shell and slurp the whole thing down, and it was pretty magical. Oh, nice! But that's it's pretty pretty rare, I would say. If you if you show up to a restaurant and they bust out hanatare that they've kept in the freezer. Either you have a very good relationship with that chef or they hope to get you really drunk so they can steal your money. <laughs> uh, Sola here in Fukuoka, restaurant Sola, which is a really lovely, lovely place. They only have two shochu on the menu. And one of them is uh, Kuroki Honten's Q, which is a 13% sweet potato shochu that is actually intended to be served cold like a white wine. Right. And the other that they have in the restaurant, and again, they only have two, is Kuroki Honten's Hanatare. And they serve that frozen. <laughs> that's the Bakudan one, right? That's right. Those are the, and that's the only two. That's the one I had on over an oyster. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's, a, yep. that's an excellent Hanatare for sure. It is. It is. So let's get into, we only almost got there a moment ago, but let's talk about the the brands or the styles or, or whatever you want to call it that go well in these various serves. We had On the Rocks, Mizuwari, Sodawari, and then also the frozen or chilled style. I think maybe we can say pretty safely that vacuum distilled shochu and awamori, where it exists, go quite well with these colder temperatures. Mm-hmm. Yep, I, I would agree. Ichiko, which was my first shochu, is predominantly vacuum distilled. Again, it's a blend, so there's a little bit of atmospheric in there, but it's it's lovely on the rocks. It's even better with soda. And I think that's true of Hakutake Shiro, yes. of any of these vacuum distilled brands that are, are really kind of light and fruity and floral. And actually, for the soda wadi mix, the first shochu brand, the first national brand to do an entire campaign around the service style was Unkai, right? which is a vacuum distilled uh, soba shochu or, or buckwheat shochu. And so definitely these cold, cold service styles go great with vacuum distilled. I think they also go really well with um, white koji atmospheric uh, shochu. Yeah. The black koji, I think, gets a little bitter sometimes. And some some white koji will as well. It's it's there's sort of this fine line between the cold muting the flavors and aromas and actually the cold making the flavors and aromas less than they could be or almost offensive, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as we know, cold suppresses sweet, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but cold also can enhance bitter. Mm-hmm. So that's something to keep in mind when you're trying to figure out how to serve a specific shochu or awamori vacuum distilled shochu tends to have more fruity and floral notes. And when I'm saying this, you can probably quickly conjure to mind the rice shochus in, of the world and the oita barley shochus of the world. You mentioned Ichiko and Shiro before. 
And that's often going to be a safe starting point for those kinds of drinks because they do have a natural fruity or floral quality to them. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think yellow koji as well, right? Since yellow koji yeah. has that, that same reasons. This, yeah, exactly. Exact same reasons. So something like, I guess, Tomino Hosan. Ah, yeah, that's a great example. I think that plays very well with cold mm-hmm. uh, or on the rocks. I don't know if I've ever had Tomino Hosan with sparkling. I believe I have, and I believe it was nice. I it it strikes me as an easy way to serve that mm-hmm. particular sweet potato shochu. Sure, but how about barrel aged? I mean, there's a ton of cask aged shochu these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, that what what would you say? Does that work well with with ice? And there's really only one answer for this. Sure. <laughs> yeah. No, I think uh, the barrel aged certainly on the rocks or uh, with soda. You're almost getting into a whiskey highball sort of experience. You get a lot of vanilla when you when you put those barrel aged uh, shochu with soda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a no brainer, really. If you see a shochu that has a little bit of a a straw or an amber hue to it, then I would absolutely say cold mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. the logical next step. Although drinking it neat might be fun too. Sure, sure. And then I guess another style to talk about, and I mentioned it earlier, is awamori, which in Okinawa is very often diluted uh, with mizuwari. And it's it's funny because when you talk to Japanese people from other parts of Japan who either aren't so familiar with awamori or who have never really tried it, they just think of it as this very, very strong spirit. But the average awamori brand, like the mass market brands, they're usually bottled at 30%. And right. most shochu is 25%. So it's only 5% alcohol difference. And yet there's this image among Japanese people that awamori is really strong. Yeah, absolutely. And and yet when you go to Okinawa, everyone's drinking it mizuwari. So they're drinking it at probably between 10 and 15%. So it's pretty light, actually, light and refreshing. Yeah. And if you you end up being in a place that serves awamori neat, that means they're probably serving it in thimbles out of a tiny little pouring vessel or karakara, and they are serving you something that's going to be higher proof. It's going to have more body to it. It's supposed to be sipped very slowly. So I don't know. I don't know where that stereotype comes from, where everybody just thinks, oh, geez, that's alcohol for getting hammered on. And I don't think that's the case at all. At least when we've been down there, it's very much a sipping drink. It's very much something that you ponder. Yeah. And if you, you know, if you're not into that, then you're smashing highballs and you're, you're draining cans of too high. I think that's the alternative path. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think maybe it's, isn't the Yonaguni Awamori that comes out at 60% sometimes. Right. That may be where that uh, misconception comes from. Cause that's, that stuff's legitimately brutally strong. Absolutely. That'll put you on your keister. Yeah. So for you, Christopher, is there ever a case for a garnish? with any of these cold service styles, would you ever add fruit or anything else? I have tried, for instance, the the pickled apricot, the ume, mm-hmm. in a hot serve of shochu before. And it was all right. It was interesting. And I've had a variety of vegetables dunked in my drink, everything from cucumbers to, you know, a slice of tomato to a bunch of different things. And I think is there a time for it? Is there a place for it? I suppose there is. It's not how I normally roll. And and then we've also seen some pretty crazy stuff dunked in drinks. I mean, there's 
Habushu down south in Okinawa, where they have a pit viper, <laughs> a disem- disemboweled pit viper in the bottle. And you would definitely want to drink that with cold uh, on the on the rocks, I think. And then, you know, there's also like hachiwari mm. or with those, you know, the suzumebachi, when you get a giant hornet, a Japanese hornet that can melt your skin if it stings you. Those are sometimes swimming in the bottom of the bottle. Sure. Swimming is, uh, yeah. is a creative way to put I, it. But. I tried that at uh, Yanagita. He, he had a little bit of that in his private stash. I'd never seen it before. Those were some big hornets. <laughs> they are. They are. And they're nasty pieces of work, too. If they, if they find you and they decide that they want to melt your skin, they call their friends. <laughs> not, I wouldn't invite them to a dinner party, but I might bring some of them in the bottom of a bottle to a party just to freak people out. That, that would probably do it. There was a style that was being introduced in New York for a hot minute a few years ago called bachiwadi, uh, which is basically ice and citrus fruit chopped into basically wheels and an entire bottle of shochu poured into it and then served basically like a punch. And Jeez. that was pretty fun. It's, it's basically doing all your dilution for you, right? Because that ice is going to melt. You're just basically ladling into your cup whenever you need a refill. And that was kind of fun for kind of a communal style. It was really being pushed with, uh, with kokuto shochu, which I thought was pretty fun. Um, wow. Yeah, that sounds, I, sounds like a punch. Kind of an island sort of thing. I don't think they'd added any sugar or that sort of thing like you would for a traditional punch. Okay. But uh, it, was, it was a pretty, pretty light, refreshing, fun summer way to do it. So maybe if somebody's throwing a backyard party and wants to make a, a low-calorie punch, they could try something like that. And they called that bachiwadi? Yep. Yeah, bachiwadi. I, in preparation for the show, I Googled it and I re- actually remembered the term right. So it just spelled in, in English, B-A-C-H-I-W-A-R-I. Huh. Okay. I don't think I've ever experienced that before. Yeah, I thought it, maybe it was a gimmick, you know, marketing gimmick by somebody, but it was, it was, it was a fun way to enjoy it. Yeah, sounds like it. Well, any recommendations for how to um, make any, any good summer serves of shochu? Sure. So just a few tips, I guess, because the ice can melt so quickly. If you do want to uh, have the shochu uh, not melt the ice so quickly, because if you're storing your shochu like you would in typical spirit, it's sitting on a shelf at room temperature, right? Right. So you could chill the bottle or you could fill a carafe and chill the carafe before you serve, and that'll keep your ice uh, cold longer. I also like with, especially when I'm dealing with, uh, or, or I'm enjoying, I shouldn't say dealing with, it's not a, it's not a chore. Um, when I'm enjoying one of the more full-bodied shochu that I enjoy on the rocks, something like Yamato Zakura, because it's white koji sweet potato, it's a really full-bodied shochu, I will try to use a, just a nice big piece of ice because I don't want too much surface to start melting too quickly. Yeah. So I can enjoy the, uh, the flavors of the shochu longer. But with the vacuum distilled, I almost go in the other direction. I want lots of ice and just let it do its thing and become a really mellow, easy drinking thing. How about you, Christopher? you have any preferred ways? Any tips? Um, I guess one thing that I guess I would say is don't stir a soldawari too much. Maybe just give it one or two turns with a muddler before you start sipping it, just because agitating the drink will cause the carbonation to be released. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, nobody loves a, a flat can of soda. So that's basically the best advice I can give. And then, you know, just sip slowly and enjoy it. 
I agree. That's uh, really what this is all about is enjoying these drinks for what they are. I guess, you know, maybe just coming back to the, um, the cold service, you know, we talk about, uh, chilling or freezing the bottles. It'd be interesting to see if any of our listeners have discovered any shochu that they really enjoy just chilling the drink itself rather than diluting or putting it over, over ice. Like what shochu is great just sitting in the fridge yeah, or even in the freezer and then pouring it on its own and then, and sipping it essentially neat, but chilled. Yeah. That's not something I've really experimented with, but I'm guessing some of our listeners may have. I haven't either. I mean, I don't really have the fridge space for that. And unfortunately, because of the nature of much of the closures on shochu and awamori bottles, they tend to have a layer of plastic on the inside of them. Mm. And I'm not sure I really want the shochu laying on its side in the fridge for a long time so that the the spirit can mingle with that coating. Mm. I don't think it would do anything weird, but if you leave it in there long enough, it has to have some influence, no? So I think it's a situation where you have one of those big drawers Mm -hmm. at the bottom of your fridge and you can stand stuff upright. And if you have that amount of space, then give it a shot. Sure, sure. That would would make a lot of sense. Or in the door, right, where you might keep your milk or your your liter bottles or something. That's true too. Although that space is precious, especially in Japanese refrigerators. That is precious. That's for condiments and various types of hot sauce. (laughs) I guess... The, the one style that I do often chill at home and then drink on its own are the cup shochus. These are often the little, you know, 180, 200 ml plastic. It's almost like the cup sake. Uh, and I will, I'll drop those into the fridge along, you know, next to my beer cans. And then when I want one, I'll just pour that out on its own. I won't, I won't dilute it, especially because some of those are actually already diluted. A lot of the cup shochu are 20%. I think one I had the other day was actually 13%. It was a barley shochu from, Fukuoka. Right. So, and that was, that was lovely on its own, just drinking it, drinking it chilled like that. So maybe there's a place for that style as well. That's a great recommendation. And I'm surprised that the convenience stores that sell this small form factor, the smaller vessels don't do that already. They don't have those cups, at least as far as I've seen, sitting in the cooler next to the Chuhai or whatever else they sell. Maybe most people drinking those are just drinking them at room temperature. Yep, that would be my guess. Or they're get they're buying the cup of ice that the convenience store will also sell. Oh uh, yeah, you get one of those cups that you would normally use for an iced coffee, and instead just pour a cup of shochu in there. Yep, and that's actually a really good idea. Cool. Well, hopefully this was uh, interesting for folks. I think uh, shochu was such a black box for me when I discovered it, and if I knew all of the different ways that I could have been enjoying it back in the day, uh, my learning would have probably been much quicker. So this was fun. Yeah. Was it another good one? And next time we'll move on to hot serves of shochu. That'll be the next episode. So please tune in again soon. Thank you all very much for listening. And if you'd like to learn more about these service styles and much more, of course, about shochu and awamori, please pick up a copy of Stephen's book, which is called The Complete Guide to Japanese Drinks. And you can, of course, find that on Amazon, but hopefully you can also find it at a fine bookseller near you. You can find me at Chris Pellegrini on Twitter and at Christopher Pellegrini on Instagram. And Stephen, where can everyone find you? You can find me at Japan Distilled on both Twitter and Instagram. Hit us up with your thoughts on how you like to drink shochu. Really always curious to hear what our listeners think. And absolutely pick up Christopher's book, The Shochu Handbook, which has pretty great descriptions of all of these service styles. And that's available exclusively on Amazon. So. To everyone out there in 
the Japan's distilled stratosphere from both Stephen and I here in Japan. As always, we wish you a very hearty and heartfelt kanpai. Kanpai. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Distilled Podcast. This has been Christopher Pellegrini with my co-host Stephen Lyman. Our theme song is Begin Anywhere by the very talented Tomoko Miyata. Audio engineering by the incomparable Rich Pav, who also edits the fantastic Uncanny Japan podcast with Teresa Matsuura. Please give that a listen as well if you're interested in Japanese fables and ghost stories. Time's up, time's up.